0: Hey, it's Pat. We've got some backstage passes because I want to meet you. We're doing an event in the middle of September where we're bringing some listeners together for some power networking. And then we're going to do the Idea Slam Brainstorm just for the people on the call. It's free. It's fun. I cannot wait to meet you. But you got to sign up before all the spots are filled. Click the link and you're in. Okay, let's start the show.
1: (coughs) America's Small Business Conversation
0: is on the air.
1: It's the Pat Miller Show. One hour
0: exclusively for entrepreneurs
1: to work on your business, not in it. It's time to solve problems, capture opportunities, and celebrate your wins. Powered by the Idea Collective small business community. This This is the Pat Miller
0: Show. Now your host... Pat Miller, the idea coach. Welcome to the Pat Miller Show, America's small business conversation. I'm Pat. You look lovely. Let's rock and roll because we got a small business to build, by golly. On today's show, we've got some good stuff. Rochelle Moser is our guest later in the program, giving us a hiring strategy that's a little bit non traditional. You usually hear people say, hire your weaknesses. She says, hire your strengths. It's a different way of looking at adding people to your team. And we're also going to have a conversation before she comes on about becoming more aware of what our strengths are and the things that we really love to do. So we've got a two-part segment coming up in just a few moments where we'll consider our strengths, and then we'll talk with Rochelle about how to make those crucial hires. Then we'll also talk about our weaknesses. So strengths and weaknesses on today's show. Rochelle will help us with our strengths, and then we'll talk to our friend William Deck about imposter syndrome and how our weaknesses can get a hold of us and not let go. So if you're feeling a little bit frumpy today, you're thinking you can't do anything right, William Deck will help us get back on our feet during the last segment of today's show. I want to start with my good friend Walt Disney. Yay, Walt Disney. I'm a big Disney guy. Now, I'm not like a freaky Disney guy, like license plates and vacation club and naming my kids after Disney. But I do like Disney, and I like Disney because, as he said, it all started with a mouse. And his entire empire came from that one idea. And as the idea coach, I love Walt Disney because it's inspiring to me that I might have that one idea That then unlocks a brilliant future. So I find him inspirational and I love to learn from him whenever I can. And today we're going to talk about Walt Disney's low ride out theory. Now I've seen this attributed to other people, but we're just going to say it's Disney. Just go with me. Okay. Disney's low ride out theory. And we're going to apply it to your small business. So the low ride out theory comes from a story where the Disney corporation would evaluate the rides every year. They would count how many folks took each ride. And at the end of the year, the ride that was ridden the least would leave. And they would come up with a new attraction in its place. The theory was, if we continually remove the worst performing rides... We will have a higher utilization across the park, more people will be happy, and the park will continue to grow. It's a very simple theory. But if we think about how do we use it in our business, it starts to get pretty complex and I think a little bit thought-provoking. So humor me. Let's go through Disney's low ride-out theory for your business. We're going to look at time, sales, and expenses. Okay, so let's apply that theory to your business. Let's talk about time. When you use the low ride out theory as a guide to evaluate your time, let's look through the last week, the last month, the last couple of months. What are you doing in a weekly time frame that isn't giving you a strong enough ROI? What's the least productive time that you have on your calendar? Now, you don't want me to say this out loud but I will. I bet it's networking. I bet it's networking. I bet it's networking or having coffee with the same group of people month over month or going to the same BNI group or whatever it might be. I bet it's something along those lines because when you stop working for a full hour, you better be generating something out of it. It's probably something like that, a meeting or some sort of interaction with somebody. Maybe it's a different activity that you think is helping the business, but it's really not. Maybe it's paperwork you don't need to be doing. Something like that. There's a utilization of your time that's not generating what it should. And using the low ride out theory, there's something that you're committed to that you should take off your calendar. Whichever that low ride activity is, I bet it's networking. Whatever it is, take it off. It's kind of like taking off a Band-Aid. You just got to cancel it. You just got to say, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. And your overall time utilization will improve. We're talking about Walt Disney's low ride-out theory. This is the Pat Miller Show, America's Small Business Conversation. The second place to look for the low ride-out theory would be your sales. Sales. Where in your sales are you not getting the biggest return? What's the least ROI item that you sell? Maybe you sell a lot of widgets, but there isn't any profit in those widgets. Maybe it's the least profitable thing you sell. Or maybe you sell a bunch of everything, but nothing of this one item. Take it off the menu take it out of your sales proposals. Don't offer it anymore. Don't let that item live on your website, live in your sales decks, live in your head, live in your inventory. Get rid of it all. There is something on your sales card that is the least performing. Take it out. And when you take it out, all the other ones get better. You no longer have to have that workflow on the website. You no longer have to be prepared to service that item because you know nobody wants it, or at least it's the least performing item that you have on your sales menu. Have the guts to take it out. The last place to look would be in your expenses. Where are you spending your money and getting the least return? Might be advertising might be publicity, might be association memberships, might be swag, might be that golf tournament where you sat on the tee and got one lead. It might be the clothing that you buy every year. It might be the koozies that you give and shove in people's hands. Who knows where it is? It very well could be your rent. You have an office and no one cares that you have an office. Where's the money going? Where's the return on that money that you spent? think about the least valuable return, the low ride out theory for time, sales, and expenses. At the end of this exercise, when you do it critically, you point out things you really don't want to stop doing, but they are the least productive of all three. You're going to end up with Maybe one hour every other week where you don't go back to that same networking group that's no longer generating results. You'll have a few more dollars in your pocket because that advertising investment just isn't returning what you had hoped. And then with your expenses, yeah, you don't have the really nice koozies to give to people. You don't have the foil embossed notebooks that you hand out but they weren't working for you anyway. You took the time to look into it. You thought deeply about it. What isn't working? And it's an uncomfortable conversation too, because every one of those things are things that you thought would have worked or you wouldn't be doing them in the first place. It's kind of setting yourself up to admit that you're wrong times three. <laughs> no one likes to admit that they're wrong. No one wants to look at their business and say, what's not working? Hmm. But to do it makes your business better. It's pruning. It's making what you do more productive using the low ride out theory. Now, how often should you do this? Maybe this is something that you do once a month, once a quarter, definitely annually, if not twice a year. Because when you love to do something, you'll just keep on offering it even though someone doesn't want it. Or when you like to go hang out with those people, they're fun to be with, but they're not generating any business. And you'll just keep going because they're fun, but they're not productive. Getting really clinical and really critical on what you're doing is going to save you time, money, and it will give you more free brain space to focus on the things you should be selling so your business can grow. I absolutely love the low ride out theory, even though it's kind of painful to implement, but it's something I think you should look into because it will make you a better business owner. We have a two-part series coming up on The Pat Miller Show. We don't do this very often where we connect two segments to one another, but this one is justified. We're going to interview Rochelle Moser coming up on the show. She's going to give us a hiring theory that's a little bit non-traditional. You normally hear, hire your weaknesses so you can soar with your strengths. Rochelle believes you should hire your strengths and work on your weaknesses a different way of looking at things and to get ready for her interview, we're going to talk about our strengths and make sure we are self-aware and ready to go. All of that is coming up on the Pat Miller Show.
1: America's small business conversation continues next
2: on the Pat Miller Show. You're an expert in your own field, so why not get paid for it?
3: Hey there, it's Wendy Babcock. My VIP paid speaker program is just the ticket you need to convert your knowledge into real income.
2: No matter what size group you're speaking to, or if you don't have any products, books, or programs to sell, even if you're not a celebrity or a household name, From crafting your talk to finding and booking paid speaking gigs, get it all with Wendy's VIP Paid Speaker Program.
3: Keynote speakers can make anywhere from $2,500 to $7,500 a talk. Together, we'll not only amp up your speaking game, you'll discover the ins and outs of finding and booking those lucrative gigs and get paid every time you step
2: on stage. Right now, get 90 days of full access to the Paid Speaker Vault and a direct line to Wendy, plus a bonus, an immersive three-hour VIP with Wendy to create your online profiles that event hosts simply can't resist.
3: Don't wait, sign up now at VIP PaidSpeaker.com. VIP PaidSpeaker.com.
2: You have a brand. Your business's brand is one of the most important things on your plate. As a business owner, you keep up with the trends. So, what's hot these days? it's live events owning your small business combined with speaking at live events positions you as the expert in your field that's where bankable events comes into play bankable events is an event advisory and management firm with a primary focus on maximum conversion events with more than four thousand live events under their belt they have the expertise to design face-to-face events that get your audience pumped up and generate profits The minute you partner with Bankable Events, they'll start creating a customized strategy to take you from idea to income. Just think of the opportunities ahead for you. Call 303-550-1123 or head to bankableevents.com. Join over 1,000 other small business owners and CEOs who use Bankable Events to build community and drive revenue. That's bankableevents.com
1: now, America's small business conversation continues on the Pat
0: Miller show. Welcome back to the Pat Miller show, America's small business conversation on Pat Miller, the idea coach. We're working to unite small business owners from coast to coast so we can all kind of realize, Hey friends, we're on the same journey. Let's collaborate and not compete so we can all make our small business dreams come true. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk with Rochelle Moser, who's going to tell us how to grow our business by hiring our strengths, not our weaknesses. And that concept is non-traditional. We're normally told, you're good at doing this, go hire your weaknesses so you can focus more on the thing you're good at. She flips it on its head. And I thought, that's a really thought-provoking interview. Let's get ready for it. Because if you're like me... One of the things that you're not so good at is self-awareness. You're not really good at identifying what you're good at. (laughs) Is that even a sentence? It is a sentence, darn it. I'm going to say it because we are accustomed to like just letting our strengths be, but focusing on our weaknesses, the places where we need, need to get better. So I thought it might be helpful if we kind of walk through an exercise to become more aware of the things that we do well. So if you want to be ready for this interview with Rochelle, let's go through this together. So if you think about the things that you're really good at, we need to draw some awareness to them. And the first place that you can look for where your true talents lie, it would be the part of your business that you really enjoy the most. Whatever it is that you do, if you're a realtor or a woodworker or an accountant or an agency owner or a photographer, it doesn't matter. There's a portion of the business that you just can't get enough of, and there's a portion of the business that you hate with the passion of a thousand suns. It happens in every business. Everyone has that. Love, hate with the passion of a thousand suns. The thing that you say that you love to do, the thing that you enjoy the most, that's probably the part of the business that you're really good at. It's very infrequent that someone would hate doing something that they're really good at. We all like doing stuff we're good at, right? So the first place to look would be finding the part of the business that you really love. So what do you love the most about what you do? Think about that. Yeah, you're pretty good at it. I've seen you do it. You're awesome. It also probably feels like play. It feels like you're not working when you get the chance to do that. For example, one of the things that I love to do I kind of like having sales conversations. Is that weird? I should probably have my head examined. No one likes having sales conversations, but I like having sales conversations because great sales conversations are really a discovery process where you're asking them about their business and the outcomes that they want to have come true. And spending your time having those kinds of conversations allows you to then connect the dots to the products you have to solve those problems. I like that. And because I like that, and it kind of feels like play, like we're playing a solve the problem game, I'm probably pretty good at it. So where else can you draw awareness so you can understand what your strengths are? Another place to look would be the items you charge the most for. Now, some things are expensive because of market rate, but some other things are expensive because you're really darn good at doing it. And you've gotten validation from your clients over the years that you're driving an insane amount of value. So on your product lineup, whatever your products might be, the one that you can get away charging the most with, again, is probably a place where you're pretty darn talented. Now, these two things seem pretty obvious. Well, duh, Pat. Of course I'm good at selling the thing I charge a fortune fortune for. And of course I'm good at doing the things that feel like play. But when we sit down and I say, what are you good at? Would you have said those two things off the top of your head? Maybe not. We're trying to draw awareness to what you're good at. So when we talk with Rochelle here in a minute you can think of where you can beef up your business even further. Another place to look for your talents and the things that other people think you're good at would be the areas where you're most in demand. Kind of goes hand in hand with what's most expensive, but where can you not get booked? Like, what is the place that has the most inventory pressure? I don't have a spot to do it at the brainstorming meeting until October. That must mean I'm pretty good at brainstorming meetings. There's a lot of demand for this particular area. That must mean others see it as a talent of mine as well. One other place to look for your talents and gifts before we talk with Rochelle and we think about hiring our strengths, not our weaknesses. Look at your social media. Look at your customer feedback. Listen for when people talk to you about what you do and pay attention to what they comment on. And what they say about how you do what you do, you may think you're a thought-provoking speaker. But what they comment on is, "I just enjoy listening to you because you make everyone feel so comfortable." Those are two different things. Thought-provoking speakers showing up as Wikipedia bring being really smart, that's one thing. making people feel comfortable, making people feel included having strong emotional quotient scores off the charts, that's a strength. So they may say you're really good at something that you hadn't even considered before. You have to be aware of what's going on because you could sell one thing, but an entire talent stack is being underutilized that you could lean into sell more things, and with Rochelle's guidance here in just a minute, continue to beef up your team in these areas where you have a bunch of strengths. Those two things go hand in hand. So the thing you enjoyed the most, the things that feel like play, the items you can charge a lot for, the items that are in demand, and the things that people comment on, and that is the one. That is truly the one. Because you got to listen to the feedback that people give you, and you have to have the confidence to ask them. If you ask them, they'll tell you. And sometimes they'll tell you things that you didn't consider before, and it can uncover an entirely new portion of your business, an entirely new portion of your products, and a way that you can lean in to what you're doing in a way that you're not doing it before. All of these things come when you become aware of your talents and skills. So I hope this segment is helping you think a little bit differently about what you do for a living. There are things you do to get paid and there are things that you're really good at. And sometimes those aren't the same things. So with this conversation in mind, we will talk with Rochelle in just a minute about hiring your strengths, not your weaknesses. Before we do that, I want to remind you of one thing We're testing a new product, and it's kind of fun. We do this weekly show, Pat Miller Show, on 25 stations across the country. Shout out to our affiliates. We also do a daily show, brand new, Small Business Mornings. You can find it on my LinkedIn channel and at patmillershow.com. Small Business Mornings is exactly like it sounds, a daily talk show just for you, the small business owner. So if you want to have a conversation where we check in with one another, we have a little bit of fun, we talk about the stuff that's in the news, and we get ready to charge up that small business hill together, Small Business Mornings is for you. Find it on my LinkedIn page and at patmillershow.com. Okay, Rochelle Moser, she's standing by to help us grow our business by hiring our strengths. That's next on this edition of The Pat Miller Show.
1: America's small business conversation continues next
0: on The Pat Miller Show.
4: Are you a woman who needs to protect and grow your business? Or do you have a secret dream to start one? I bet you do. If you don't have a lawyer on your side, you may be putting your family and personal assets at risk. I know, I know. You might be avoiding lawyers because they seem overwhelming or intimidating. That's why you have to meet the team at Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com. This all-woman team of talented lawyers are the most approachable, knowledgeable, and friendly team you'll ever meet. They exist solely to support women business owners who often go without the legal support they truly need. In 2023, they want to help 223 women create a solid legal foundation for their business. The first 100 women who mention this ad will receive over $100 off of their LLC starter package. Visit Athena legal Solutions athenalegalsolutionsllc.com.
1: Now, America's Small Business Conversation continues on The Pat Miller
0: Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation, and all the time we're trying to grow. We want to make sure that we are doing better tomorrow than we are today. And oftentimes people say, well, to grow, you need to grow your team. And what you should do is hire your weaknesses so you can move faster. Well, we're going to talk about what's working right now for our guest, and it's a little bit different in the strategy department, and I think it's really interesting. So let's welcome Rochelle Radke Moser from Radke Design in Madison, Wisconsin. She's the chief creative officer. Rochelle, welcome to the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? Great. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to talk about anything we can do to grow a business. And when you told us about the way that you're growing yours, I thought that's an interesting what's working right now. So everyone says that they should hire their weaknesses, but you've chosen a different path. Tell us about it.
5: We have. So um, instead of hiring outside our area of expertise, I really focused in on what I needed. And I needed clones. I needed more people to do the work exactly the way I would do it. It was really um, a matter of finding individuals that had the same aesthetic, had the same work ethic, had the same um, thought process that I did, and then partnering with like-minded other designers to really grow our workforce. What we really needed was more hours in the day. So by finding other designers that had the same credentials and had the same aesthetic, we were able to satisfy that extra hours in the day but we also were able to bounce ideas off of each other, help each other grow. And by offering more designers, we're able to also satisfy more projects from the client. So turnaround times decrease. Um, creativity increased because we weren't burnt out. We weren't working nights and weekends to try to, to work through the queue. We had designers that could readily jump in and help out.
0: Okay, so let's back up for a second. This is a branding web social print creative house Uh, and you were the creative force of the building and most people would say, go hire a bookkeeper, go hire a doer of things so then you can be the exclusive designer. You chose a different path and hired more designers and creatives. What was the impact for you personally? Because if you were the creative force and now you of other creative forces, what did that mean for you?
5: Yeah. So I was able to focus on the business. I was able to readily uh deal with the issues that came up. I was able to jump on the calls with the client. I was able to do the sales calls. People weren't waiting two, three, four weeks to get on a sales call with me. We were able to jump on a call, get the project rolling, and be able to clear the queue faster with more designers, opposed to me offloading things like bookkeeping or billing or Um, Any of the day-to-day, I still write every single scope that comes from our company. I still do all the reconciling. And uh, other than my VA, her and I are the only ones in the books. I send almost every invoice. (laughs) I pay every invoice. Um, I'm still very ingrained in my business. I'm very much at the heart of everything. But by having other designers, we're able to, to turn projects faster and it allowed me the space that I need as a creative. It let me take a step back and really focus on the bigger picture, focus on the the um, branding across projects so that I wasn't in the trenches on every single thing. Um, it also allowed me the time to lead. Uh, I was able to find additional learning opportunities. I was able to reach out to additional clients. I was able to um, continue to, to find ways of fostering creativity within our teams that I wouldn't have had time to do had I been working on every single project or working nights and weekends where I just had never had a break. And it really helped not only build a team that's stronger and better, but it also helped burnout. It it really got rid of a lot of the burnout that kept happening over and time and time again.
0: We're talking with Rochelle Ratke moser who's the chief creative officer of Ratke Design, about growing her business by hiring her strengths, not her weaknesses. And that's interesting because most creatives want to offload all the non-creative stuff so they can be nothing but creative, but you in a different way. Another thing that I've heard is that some people want to hire folks that are better than they are. How did you do on hiring creatives that were more talented than you?
5: Yeah, so we have a little bit of friendly competition within the agency. Uh, there is one particular designer. Her name's Courtney, and her and I go hand-to-head. Um, she is my fellow logo <laughs> designer. And every single project, we might not be open and honest about it at all times, but every single project, it, we end up with game on. It, it's time to see who, who's going to win this. And... It helps. It really does. When you're when you're starting an agency or you're starting a freelance journey, everything is so alone. You spend all this time and you're in a bubble. The only feedback you really get is time and is clients. But sometimes it might be a friend or a partner here and there. But you don't get the the daily feedback or you don't get the the competition of it. And having a team that's equally talented, and just as nimble as you are it's game time. Like you want to win the project. You want the client to pick your, your concept. You're, you're really, uh, you're pushing the envelope each time. And not only does that make us look good as an agency, but it also helps the client. The client's getting bigger and better creative because of the competition. So, and I'm, I'm not above saying she's beaten me a number of times. Like I'm a little, I'm a little salty. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but every single time we start out fresh and it's like, hey, hey, here's the next brief. Let's go. It's game time. Like, may the best woman win.
0: I want to challenge you on something that I think other creatives would struggle with if they chose this path. Many creatives would say, well, my clients only want to work with me. Did your clients notice? Did they care? And how did they react when there were other creatives at Ratkey?
5: So. I had the exact same thought. Um, that's actually what kept me from doing this. And for the first year that I had a, a team, there were two of us. I kept it under wraps. It, it was a, a, my like dirty little business secret. Uh, there just weren't enough <laughs> hours in the day, but I needed help. So it was always I, 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 I'll get that to you. I'll take care of it. More than I said, I and the more burnt out I was getting, and the more that I needed more help, um, the more I realized that the I train needed to leave the station, and it needed to be <laughs> the shift from the me and the eyes to the weeds. And I thought for sure clients were going to drop us. I thought for sure that we were going to hit that very remark of, "Oh no, no, hold on, we we want to work with you." Quite the opposite. Um, People, people celebrated it. People were very excited by the prospect of getting creative faster and keeping the same quality and same um, caliber that they were getting before. Um, Being able to say my team and I took a weight off of my shoulders. It it allowed me to breathe, but also not having that little business secret and allowing my team to be front and center. I'm also celebrating them. I'm growing them as individuals as well. So now on starting this year, we've started integrating the team into client-facing phone calls and client-facing emails, and they're able to build their own rapport with clients that is amazing. And clients reach out to sometimes the designer directly, and they're able to, to have this work relationship that just fosters more and more and more trust. So yes, absolutely had the exact same thoughts. And the action turned out to be all in my head. It wasn't even a thing. And clients were
1: super excited.
0: So you identify that you can grow by having more of you. You got over the idea that other creatives could do it as good as you could and your clients would not leave you. Are there any final thoughts as far as advice to someone if they are thinking about pursuing a similar path to grow their business?
5: Yeah. So the, the network that you have is your best friend. Um, be the designers that I have came from within my own network. Very rarely do I need to reach past my network. Uh, my, my senior designer, she came from another engagement that I I was working with her already. And I said, hi, hey, hey, when this project's over, do you maybe want to come work with me? And it was one of those, those kismet sort of moments where we already were working so beautifully together in this, this other environment that it was seamless. It ju- we just migrated right over and picked up right where we left off. The client was different, but the people stayed the same. And as we continue to grow, my people take on different responsibilities or different roles or different connections all with one another. So they're continuing to grow their na- networks as well. But I would say networking is key, having, having those connections with previous coworkers or previous, um, other uh, solopreneurs, other freelancers, other people in your industries, all the best mind to get your, your, your help from. Um, but one other thought is any creative out there that's saying, I can't possibly hit, like, be hands off with the creative. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to step into a different role and an opportunity to kind of let go a little bit and give a little bit of trust. To other designers and watch them grow as well. It, it's it's really exciting. It's a fun, it's a fun place to be.
0: Growing your team by hiring your strengths, a brilliant strategy and one that maybe you can adopt. Rochelle Radke Moser, Chief Creative Officer Radke Design. Thanks for sharing it with us and thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show.
5: Absolutely.
1: America's Small Business Conversation continues next
0: on the Pat Miller Show. Krista Morrissey for Choices Coaching and Consulting.
3: Do you know where most small businesses go wrong? They invest in everything except their leaders, but through strong leaders comes strong business. Are you doing it wrong? Most small businesses focus on production and numbers. Production and numbers come through strong, resilient leaders and strong leaders strengthen culture. They strengthen your resiliency and they strengthen your bottom line. I develop strong, resilient leaders who will drive your business. It is time for you to refocus your investment. Go to ChoicesCoachingConsulting.com and let you and I start the conversation now before someone else invests in your leaders. When you invest in your leaders, you invest in the bottom line of your business. Connect with Krista at ChoicesCoachingConsulting.com. Act now. Krista at ChoicesCoachingConsulting.com
2: developing your business is a journey so make sure and bring along a trusted sidekick as your business grows sidekick accounting will be there sidekick accounting's core services help take the confusion out of bookkeeping tax preparation and tax planning Who's going to keep track of all those pesky receipts and invoices? Well, Sidekick Accounting has things covered as you grow your version of business success. So whether your small business is a side hustle or a conduit to freedom and owning your own business in time, get in touch with a trusted Sidekick. Sidekick Accounting. There are expert advisors waiting to hear from you now. Feel free to call or send a text message to 414-310-7689. That's 414 414- You can find them on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit sidekick-accounting.com. Remember, developing your business is a journey, so bring along a trusted sidekick.
1: Now, America's Small Business Conversation continues on the Pat
0: Miller Show. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation. I'm your host, Pat, by the way. Great to see you. And I'm saying hello and making sure we know one another because we're going to go someplace that's kind of scary and spooky. And it's a place that sometimes we get stuck. And when we get stuck with imposter syndrome, bad things happen. We're going to bring in an expert to help us understand what it is and what do we do when imposter syndrome gets a hold of us. Because if you're a solopreneur like I am, if you get bit with imposter syndrome, you could have a bad time. So resident smart guy and a friend of mine, founder and CEO of Mind Business, William Deck is our guest. William, thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. How are you today?
6: I'm doing well. The sun's out,
0: and so no complaints. No complaints. No complaints. Sun's out. Thank goodness. We both live in Wisconsin, and the sun doesn't come out very often. So the summer is a perfect time to get out and enjoy it. It's not enjoyable to get imposter syndrome, though. So let's start at the beginning. People have heard of imposter syndrome, but maybe they don't know exactly what
6: it is. So how would you define it? Uh, the way that I would define imposter syndrome is when you get into a state of mind and emotional awareness uh, that makes you feel like you are not good enough for the best that this life has to offer. And they can vary for everyone because everyone's at a different level, wants different things. Uh, in, is in different places and spaces based on your life experience. But ultimately, when you lose the sense of worthiness to accomplish or to achieve the goal that you truly desire, that's when imposter syndrome is at its uh, peak, if you will. And isn't that
0: just awful? You lose the sense of worthiness. And if you're building a business or trying to go out and meet people to achieve your small business goals, Uh, How does that affect us when we lose our worthiness? What does that mean on a day-to-day
6: basis? So I think what it actually looks like is a lack of confidence, right? A lack of courage, a lack of belief in your own abilities, because ultimately, especially if we start a business, we start the business for a particular purpose to address a particular market and to set ourselves apart, which means that whatever vision that we have, however we do our work, we have to deeply believe that what we have is unique, special, and that is valuable in the marketplace. And so when we begin to doubt ourselves, everything connected to us, right? Which is how we see ourselves and our life's potential and our work begins to kind of begin to become less clear than it once was. Because I think when you have unbreakable confidence and you focus and you're encouraged and you're not dealing with imposter syndrome because you're on fire, you see green, you see opportunity, you see open doors and creativity everywhere. And sometimes because the work of being a business owner is not easy, we tend to get into a place from time to time that says, man, I've been really, really plugging each other in a way and I don't see it working or I'm not sure if those last five client meetings went as good as I hope they have, I haven't heard from them yet. Maybe they don't think I'm, you know, uh, worth the money, whatever that may be. And when we get those voices in our head that says, hey, you can't do it, you messed up, you're not good enough. Ultimately, gets at the end to this feeling, these thoughts around being unworthy. And that's why I mentioned at the beginning, because it's a real thing. But I want it to be specific so that we can say, okay, when I get to this mental and emotional space, what does it feel like? And it feels like, hey, man, I'm just not good enough, can't do it, don't know if I have what it takes today. Tomorrow you may feel different, but sometimes it's a day to day thing for us. Until we get into daily habits and rituals that allow us to be able to feel those good emotions, speak over ourselves in our lives, in our days. And then over time, we can, of course, have an opportunity to break past that seal of the ups and downs of posture. But until then, it can be a big fight. But it's a valuable fight to fight because once you win that in your own mind, the entire world opens up because you realize your perception is reality, right? So even if it's good, if you don't see it good there's an issue there, right? There's a gap for it. But When it is good and you see it for what it is, not for what you want it to be, or what you're afraid of it might be, that's when the world gets beautiful because you realize you have so much more control over the outcomes simply by adjusting your perspective. And that is the potential positive outcomes of overcoming that imposter syndrome is if there is uh, another side to it. That's amazing. And I've worked through all of it. It's been challenging at times that I'm a small business owner. But I can tell you that um, there is not only hope, there is a solution. So
0: this is the Pat Miller Show, America's Small Business Conversation. If you're just joining us, we're talking about imposter syndrome with William Deck, the founder and CEO of Mind Business. So we talked about what it is and we talked about how it affects us, but I really want to spend time getting to what you were just mentioning. Okay, how do we fix it? You talked about habits and you talked about self-talk. I mean, if you're going to pull someone away from imposter syndrome, how would you coach them to do it?
6: So, the way that we coach individuals to get a past positive syndrome is really working on their beliefs from a subconscious level. And what that means is that we have conscious awareness or waking awareness, and then we have that below or subconscious mind that impacts over 90% of our daily waking actions. So, basically, it's our habit center. It is the hard drive of our mental computer. And so when we work with our clients, we help them to get down to the root cause of their negative belief systems and negative ideas about themselves and their lives. And not only identify what are the voices telling us when we don't feel safe, when we don't feel like we're enough, but where does this voice come from? Because no child comes into this world saying, hey, I want to self-sabotage my life. And so it is learned behaviors. But where did it come from? Did it come from the programming based on what we saw, what we heard? what people told us. Many times these negative core beliefs come from parents, another close family, because they didn't believe in themselves. They may have had negative things to say about you not understanding how damaging those words were. And so then we take those childlike experiences and beliefs and take them into adulthood. And what happens is with most people, they realize at a certain point, this belief isn't working for me anymore. It it worked to keep me safe or to keep me from doing anything different, you know, when I was a child, when I was a teenager, but now I'm looking to go beyond what these beliefs uh, qualify or quantify or, or say that I can be or do. And so once we get to the root cause of where those voices come from, then we begin to intentionally replace those negative beliefs with positive beliefs, which means we get to take charge of our own internal narrative. We get to literally write it down on paper and begin to affirm it and begin to create behaviors and habits that will support these new ideas. Because just like the old ideas, beliefs were hardwired by repetition over and over and over again, hearing it, seeing it, feeling it. The exact same thing needs to happen to create and to solidify these new positive, uplifting, expansive ideas, beliefs, and behaviors. And so all we're doing is taking the principle of psychology or, or, or the law of mind, right? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And then making sure that we are the definers so we can get some new outcomes. Because unless we impact behaviors, we can never truly change our, our emotional states and emotional response systems, as well as our thoughts. But the behaviors ultimately is what gets the job done. That's when the transformation happens. And that's what we do we try to keep it simple. We we'll don't try to give you a thousand things, Allow the new things to believe, maybe five ideas at best. But once you get hardware in your mind, hardware in your heart, the hardware in your behaviors, and you over time are a new human being. So that's how we actually do the work. Uh, we don't try to overcomplicate it, but it is worthwhile and once again the key word for us that we love to get to is transformation. Right. I was once going one way. I once thought one way, believed one way, and I've turned around and went the other way. And that's where it's all about. Imposter syndrome will get you, but hopefully today's
0: conversation might pull you out of it if you found yourself there. William Deck, founder and CEO of Mind Business LLC. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on The Pat Miller Show.
6: You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to The Pat Miller Show.
1: See patmillershow.com for more information on today's guest events and the idea collective small business
0: community a worldwide group working together to fight fear inexperience, and isolation for small business owners everywhere
1: join us next week for the pat miller show and remember get clear work hard and never quit guests on the pat miller show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk no part of the show should replace accounting tax or legal advice